There's three words that we're focused on over the next seven weeks. Started this last week. Focused on three words. Connect, serve, and grow. Will you guys say those with me? Connect, serve, grow. And those are three things that we're going to continue to speak through and speak into uh, up until October the 28th. And so it, it's, uh, those three words will help us now, and they will help us for what God is going to do in our lives. And to help with a vision, I thought it would be good if I defined those words, because if we each just wrote down what we thought those words meant, we would have a bunch of different definitions. So let me speak first to connect. When I say the word connect, what I'm simply meaning is that I want you to have some church friends. I want you to have some church friends. I want you to be able to say, hey, this is Mike, and Mike knows that I'm Matt, and we're developing a friendship. Right? I just met him today for the first time. It's brand new, right? But that we know each other's names, that you know you're known, and we can begin to do life together outside of an hour context. Right now, you're going to hear me talk. When you only have a one-sided relationship where only one person gets to talk, that friendship can't be very good, right? So we have to look for ways outside of this setting right here to have church friends. There's three opportunities this week I just want to bring your attention to. They're in your bulletin, they're on your app, they're on our website. The first one is this. Some of us tonight will go have dinner at about 5.30 at a place called Rhythm and Booze. Yes, it has booze in the title, and God still loves us, right? It's right across the street, right? There's two waitresses over there, Kat and Nettie, that we've been ordering dinner from for the past four or five months. And um, we have a good reputation in that place. So if you go over with us tonight at 5.30, some of us, I don't always go, sometimes I do. Depends on if Jen lets me out of the house, right? But we're going to go have, it's 75-cent wings, $4 nachos. We're not buying your food. Right, but if you just want to come and hang out with us, uh, there's some of us will be there having dinner together tonight, just making church friends. Right, I'm not giving a devotion, I'm not preaching to you. I'm gonna get wing sauce all over my face. That's what I'm gonna do. All right. A second way for us to make church friends coming up, uh, Pastor Curtis right here is hosting a city group that gets together on Monday nights, watches football. So if you want to come tomorrow night and watch Monday night football, I don't even know who's playing. Doesn't matter. It's football, right? There's gonna be some guys here. It's a safe environment for you to come. Um, some of us are. are overcoming some addictions in our life. You don't have to worry about the threat of alcohol or it's just a safe environment to come watch a game and make some church friends, right? And so if you want to do that, that's happening. And then I saw Kim walk in, and I don't know if Brenda's in this service too. Uh, actually, that's on my, is that this week? No, this was this week, yeah. We have the preen moms is going on on Thursday night. So if you are a mom of a, have a children who are grown, uh, there is a city group that's happening for you. I met uh, Patricia again for the third time this morning, and she said she's been going to that group with Brenda and Kim. And I saw Kim come in. Kim, is Kim, Kim so this, can we stand up real quick? So this is Kim Johnson. Uh, she has a speech prepared. I'm kidding, you don't. She's like, ah. So, but if you are a mom and you have adult children, how about this? If you're a mom and you just want to connect with other moms and you have kids and you want to pray for your kids, I would invite you to join Kim and Brenda uh, this Thursday night, and it'll be a good and safe environment for you to make, again, church friends. So that's what we talk about when we say connect, right, making church friends. Here's what we talk about when we talk about serve, all right? Serve is simply joining a ministry to make New City better. This, I mean, it's that simple. Joining the ministry to make New City better. There's an opportunity for you to serve uh, right here on Sunday mornings. We do two services. You can worship one, and you can serve at one. Make it really easy for you. I, I mentioned this um, Four week, three weeks ago now, for our family ministry, and we had 50 new leaders join the ministry team. Pretty exciting, right? Join family ministry. Now, it was 50 new leaders for the family ministry, but some of those leaders weren't new leaders. Some of those leaders left current ministries to go serve in family ministry. So my first impression team said, Matt, you did a great job inspiring people to go rebuild that wall with Nehemiah and family ministry. Uh, but a lot of those were our first impressions people. And so, uh, you know, 
you're going to get one of these, buddy, right? Now, family ministry is excited, and we're grateful for all the folks who are serving in family ministry. Like, that's a huge win. Don't go back. Keep serving. Keep being faithful. Keep maybe even doing something that you don't know how to do. But I am this morning going to make a call for several of you who are yet serving, not yet serving at New City. And I'm going to invite you, if you'll take this out of your bulletin, right? It says, we can do more together. And I want to specifically speak to our First Impressions ministry this morning. And I think First Impressions is a great opportunity for you to take a first step in ministry, all right? Because you can do it right here on Sunday morning, right? And it's honestly, it's just an easy step. There's four ways for you to get involved. I'm going to give you those four uh, right now. The first one is being a greeter. All right? And a greeter is someone, you experienced all of these this morning, right? The greeter is, you just welcome people as they enter our building. Jake Vuz and Jennifer Gregory were two of our greeters this morning that said hello to you. You might have gotten me. I was out there for a little bit too, all right? But if you like, if you can do this and smile and say hello, maybe you will consider being a part of that team, right? The commitment is not heavy, right? You can just show up and be kind. The second one is those who serve in our cafe, and they serve the coffee and the donuts to promote authentic conversations, how many of you guys took advantage of the free coffee and free donuts this morning? Raise those hands high. Awesome. Can we say thank you, Cafe? Right? And if that, maybe that's a team that you want to join. And it's not about coffee and donuts. Like, those are things that we get to enjoy. But did anybody hold a coffee or hold a donut and talk to someone else? We won. Way to go, Cafe. Right? That's the goal. You know why? Because us men, specifically, we like to hide behind something. Even if it's a little bitty coffee mug, Right? What do we do with our hands, right? I'm going to do this and drink our coffee and eat our donut. How about the next one? Ushers. Man, our ushers are the men and women in the room, the back of the room typically, that help you when you come in. And their job is to provide a stress-free worship experience. We just want, like, 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 if you're like, I don't know where the bathroom is. Here it is. What I do with my kid. Here's what you do with your kid. Here's duct tape, right? We do. Kidding. Um, we, we, haha, thanks for laughing, Carrie. Right, but uh, ushers just want you to make sure that you have a stress-free morning. And then finally, the call team. And the call team welcomes our first and second time guests. So if, you're, if you would let us know that, there's a connect card, um, and you can let us know that you're a first or second time guest, and our call team is going to be reaching out to you today. Just to say hi. We, we recognize that you were here today, and we want you to know that you matter, right? And so if you're interested in being a part of the First Impressions team, I want to just give you the space, fill this out, check which one you're interested in, and somebody's going to contact you by tomorrow, by Tuesday, next two days, and they're going to give you your next step. I would love to see several, several of us in the room who aren't serving anywhere else uh, be new leaders in our First Impressions ministry. Amen? So this is a way for you to easily serve your church. And the final thing in those words, connect, serve, is the word grow. And we define grow over these next seven weeks by simply saying taking your next spiritual step. All right? And if you're breathing, there's an opportunity for you to take your next spiritual step. It may be your first, maybe you're taking your first few, you're just beginning your spiritual journey, or maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a long time. It doesn't matter. If you're breathing, there's a next step that God is calling you towards. I want to give you two steps that you can take in this month. The first one is we have our discipleship conference coming up September the 28th, 28th and 29th. It's a Friday night and Saturday morning. It's going to be held at the Kansas, uh, how do you say it, Matt Lee? Help me out. Kansas Christian College. Sorry. All right, Kansas Christian College's facility, which is on uh, 75th Highway in the Metcalf area. And, man, this is just an opportunity to discover how New City makes disciples that makes disciples that makes disciples. we got a lot of, imagine TED Talks. Imagine a bunch of short, 
messages uh, on particular uh, topics. Uh, Pastor Chris is coming back from Oklahoma, and he's going to be our, our main speaker for the conference. So if you're looking to, man, I haven't hugged Chris's neck in a while, it's a great way for you to come back and hear from him as he's continuing to lead this Brown Degree movement, not just, uh, not just at Hera and not just at New City, but it's, there's more churches getting involved. And so it's not just going to be New City there. But if you're looking about discipleship, man, I would encourage you, register for this. It's 20 bucks. And that covers some food and all your materials. It's not free. But, man, it's going to be a great time to see how New City makes disciples. And then the second thing that we have here is City Walk. And City Walk is something that we lead here at Shawnee, and it's just simply your next best step. So if you feel stuck, if you feel unconnected, if you feel like you don't have any church friends, you don't know how to use your gifts, I want to invite you to come to City Walk. It's going to be the last Sunday of this month. You can register for everything I just told you about right on the app or right on the website. Now, the reason I ask you to register for this is because we watch your kids and we feed you, right? And so we want to be prepared for your kids and prepared for your belly. And so please register for this. It is a free class, but it's a way for you to get to know me. I'll lead it and to know about what this church is all about. Amen? And so it's your next best step. It happens the last Sunday of this month. Now, that's the public service announcements that gets us into connect, serve, and grow. And what makes a church healthy is that they're doing those three things right? We're doing those three things. So how do you as an individual say, you know what? I do have church friends here. I am serving my church. I'm making it better. And you know what? I'm taking my next step towards God. That's, that's what we're trying to do over the next seven weeks. We really zero in on that. Through the Bible, I'm doing this little message series that I'm calling Funny God. Started it last week, and we're going to continue it today. And so Funny God is not about how God is a great joke teller, right? It's about when God invites you into a relationship, when God speaks something into your life, and what he says is so out there that you're like, real funny, ain't, go, ain't no way. You ever said that before? Last week I talked about this guy Abraham who was 90 and his wife who was 99 and how God visited them and he said, you're going to have a baby this time next year. And his wife heard him and laughed. Yeah, now that I'm all old and look at him, right? You're going to tell me that now I'm going to have a child after all these years and she laughed. And he's like, why would you laugh? And we had that whole conversation last week. And we, some of us, we were like, well, is that really funny? And I said, well, imagine this. Imagine you're at your next family reunion. And before dinner starts, before you bless the food, grandma and grandpa say, hey, uh, we have an announcement. <laughs> grandma and grandpa, we're going, we're going to have a baby. It's weird, right? You'd be like, what? And you ever had laugh and go, hey, that real funny. You're ribbing us. You're ribbing us, right? Anyway, God sometimes says crazy things to his people that honestly, you're just like, there's no way. Now the way so where, where did this message come from? Like, how did, it, how did it get birthed in my heart? When I was on my sabbatical, third week of my sabbatical, I'm sitting out under a tree and I'm reading the Bible, just kind of honestly just relaxing, reading the scripture, having just a, a devotion that's just, just for me and the Lord. And I'm reading the story of Abraham and Sarah. And when Jesus makes that statement to her, this time next year you're going to have a baby, and it says that she laughed, I thought, this was my question, and I journaled it. God, what statement? would you want to say to me, what statement do you want to communicate to me that if I heard it, I would go real funny, ain't no way. God, what's the statement that would make me laugh because it's so bigger than what I think I could do, it's so bigger than what my faith currently holds that I would go, that, that could never happen. And it's not just for me, I think it's for this church and I think it's for you guys. And so I'm inviting us into this conversation in scripture because there's several times where God makes funny statements and people laugh, people respond with this, whoa. And today we're going to look at the second one and it's when Peter walks on the water, right? Now before we get into the message though, there's four things that are always present in these funny conversations because God doesn't do funny drive-by conversations. 
need to know this. Like there are times when God does stuff drive by to get your attention. He, he, he like does things to get your, to wake up, to get you to see. It could be you get caught in a sin or it could be maybe you experience something that you hadn't counted on and you're like, oh my gosh, it's a spiritual wake up call. Funny conversations are not those. Funny conversations are when in relationship, God is able to speak to you in a way that's real and personal that he can speak directly to your life. And you're like, oh my gosh, right? That's crazy. And so I want to give you those four things that you can expect uh, in, in this. Because the truth is this, is that God wants you to experience your very own funny story. Like, I'm going to read you one today, and I might even tell you some of mine along this journey. But God wants you to have a story. He wants, he wants to speak to you. I believe this specifically where you experience your very own funny story. So not only does God make, the, so God makes these funny statements in context of relationship, but these are the four ways that are really important. First of all, before God can have a relationship with you, he's got to be the biggest thing in your life. If God's not priority number one in your life, you will not give him the relationship that is required. He, he wants to, be, God has, and this is important, right? Some of us, we don't know this. God has zero desire to be second, third, fourth place in your life. He's been a jealous God since page one of your Bible. He's been jealous God from, from day one, like open to the first page, Genesis chapter one, and just start reading. And what you will discover is from the very beginning to the very last book, Revelation, in between all of that, he is a jealous God who desires first place, numero uno in your life, right? And he, 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 he's not interested in second. He wants to be first. If you want biblical proof, just turn into the Old Testament and read the Ten Commandments. You don't have to read all ten. Just start with the first one. Just read the first one, and you're, and you're good. And that God is like, man, listen, there will be no other gods before me, for I am a what? A jealous God. Man, he is jealous for your attention. He wants it. I believe he deserves it. And when we make God the biggest priority in our life, guess what? We approach the Scriptures not with the I have to mentality, but I get to. And this is really big right? Like when I open my Bible, I don't go, well, I have to do this to be a Christian. No, no, no. I get to. I get to. And so that is the, how the heart of this relationship goes. And so number two, so when God wants to be the biggest part of your life is the first thing. And when he is, the secondly, the relationship is built and God reveals what he is doing through a personal relationship. It's when he meets you in that time of devotion, you call it abiding, quiet time, prayer time, reading your Bible, whatever phrase you want to give to it. But when you sit with the Lord in relationship, he begins to speak to your life through his word. It's amazing how, what God begins to say to you and I. And in that relationship, number three happens. God reveals his plan. And when God reveals his plan, you'll think, real funny, ain't no way. Like sometimes God's going to say something to you and you'll be like, there's no way I could ever do There's no way I could go say that to her. There's no way I could ever call dad and say that. There's no way. And God invites us into these things that are sometimes like so out there from where we currently are, that we're like, man, God, you, you, you're, you're hilarious. There's no way I can do that. Which leads to the fourth thing. Laughter is always followed by obedience. You can laugh, but laugh in the direction of what he asked you to do, right? God, I don't understand it, but I believe you said it, so here I go. And that's what we're going to talk about today. This story is found in Matthew chapter 14 and verses 24 through 30, uh, 31. And uh, let me give you some context. Jesus and the disciples have just fed over 5,000 men, not counting women and children. So a lot of people have just gotten their bellies full from a little bit of fish and a little bit of bread. It's been a crazy miracle. The disciples are on a spiritual high. They just saw the miraculous happen. They were a part of the story. But also, I think they're emotionally wiped. And after, at the end of this big meal, Jesus tells the disciples, hey, I want you guys to get in the boat, and I want you to go on the other side. Now, that's important. Jesus tells the disciples to get in the boat and go to the other side of the lake, I'm going to go and I'm going to pray. 
I got, I got to get away from people for a little bit. I got to reconnect with my father. And so Jesus is, is praying. The disciples have done what he said. They're in the boat going to the other side of the lake. And this is where verse, four, uh, verse 24 picks up of Matthew 14. Meanwhile, while he's praying, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. All right? So here's the first thing that I want us to mention as we talk about this funny God, and it's this. Even disciples experience waves. If you're in this room and you're following Jesus, there will be times in your life where as a follower of Jesus, you will experience waves. Waves are not just for sinners. Waves are just not for people who are rebellious. Sometimes disciples who are doing the very thing that God asked them to do will experience waves. Did the, are the disciples not doing that? Are the disciples not in the boat that Jesus said to get into? Are they not going across the lake that Jesus said to go across? Are they not doing exactly what he asked them to do? And in the midst of their obedience, they're experiencing a big storm. And so right now, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're experiencing heavy waves and things are kind of, uh, you don't, you're not so sure, there's some uncertainty in your life, don't assume automatically that there is a course correction in your life because you're being disobedient. Maybe, maybe not. Right? So how do, how do you know if you are experiencing a rough situation because of a sin issue in your life or simply it's what God is trying to do? This is my promotion of why it is important for you to continue to take a step into a discipling relationship. Man, you need to have men and women who you look up to spiritually that you can share what's going on in your life, that you can help discern what God might be doing so they can look at you and say, hey, you need to endure this. Like you, God, is, God is trying to teach you something through these wind and waves or to say, hey, listen, man, I just heard you say this and maybe the, the wind and the waves is a result of your consequences of your decision, Right? But left to our own, sometimes as individuals, even us mature guys and mature women, we have a hard time discerning, wow, is this a result of my sin or is God trying to teach me something new? And man, I'm telling you, take a step towards discipling. Take take the step from, hey, I'm just going to have church friends to I'm going to have spiritual mentors who are helping me discern these spiritual things. Man, it'll help you win so much faster. In this story, the disciples aren't being uh, uh, spanked. They're not being disciplined, Right? Something else is happening. And so what I want us to understand in Matthew 14, 24 through 31 is this, is that God was using this storm to reveal something new about himself. Isn't that amazing that God could use storms in your life, storms in my life to reveal a new truth about who he is to us? God doesn't reveal completely who he is on day one of your salvation. God continues, he's a mystery. He continues to reveal more and more about himself in the context of what? What do you guess? relationship. The more you are with God, the more you sit, the more you begin to read and pray and have conversations with the the, the creator, the more he begins to reveal himself to you. And oftentimes he does that through challenges, through circumstances. This is important to know that God used the storm to reveal something new about himself. From this experience, okay, one, the disciples are going to experience a funny, a funny story. If this storm wouldn't have happened, the rest of the story would have never happened. But in the context of this storm, two things are revealed to the disciples. I put them on the screen for you. Number one is they, they didn't know God could do that. What, God is, what they're about to see God do prior to this moment, they didn't know God could do that. And prior to the storm, they didn't know they could do that. So they're going to learn something new about God, and they're going to learn something new about themselves. The same is true in your life. When God takes you through a storm, right, which is simply 
Confusion, discomfort, sometimes pain. When God takes you through those things, you're going to learn something new about him and something new about you. Right? And so when, you, when you're in that storm, don't fight the wind and the waves. Don't cuss the wind and the waves. Don't shake your fist at the wind and the waves. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Right? Keep your eyes fixed on him. Lord, I know on the other side of this, I'm going to learn something new about you, and I'm going to learn my faith is going to be increased, and I'm going to know something new about me. Amen? And so they're in this storm, and let's see what happens next. Verse 25. About 3 o'clock in the morning, right? Must be pretty bad if they're still awake, right? About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the what? Water. Not skiing, not on the jet ski, right? He is walking on the water. When the disciples saw him, they said, hey, it's the Lord. Praise God, he can walk on water. Did they say that? No, that's what it says. When they saw him uh, walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Right? Crazy. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Now, let's look at this real quick before we get to the water walking. This is great, right? There will be times in your life, maybe right now, when Jesus is coming towards you, but you don't know that it's Jesus. Whatever it is, like however God is approaching your life and your situation, it is scaring you to death. And it's, you're, you're, just, you're afraid. And that's what happens to the disciples. Think about this. Peter and those guys spent more time with Jesus than anybody else, and they did not recognize that it was him. And so if the 12 dudes who spent the most time when Jesus didn't see Jesus and know that it was him, probably you and I, in our situation, when we're in our storms, when the waves and the winds are crashing down on us, and when God begins to move to us, we're probably going to go, we're probably, not, we're probably going to struggle seeing God in that moment too. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying this to you to give yourself a little bit of grace, right? But not to assume because something is coming at you, oh, it's a ghost, I'm terrified of this situation. This situation is going to destroy us. And what do we typically do in that moment? We flee from it, right? We, we run from that moment. And all I'm saying to you, if you find yourself in a storm, and it's not because you are being disciplined because of, of poor choices or just blatant sin in your life. It's not because of rebellion. And so you find yourself in a storm, and you're going, all right, Lord, I think you're trying to teach me something new here. When that lesson begins to get close to home, when Jesus begins to enter into the story, don't automatically free, flee from that fear. Don't automatically flee from whatever that situation might look like. It just might be Jesus. So again, we, 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 we chill and we listen. What does Peter do? That scripture still up on the screen? What does Peter say? Um, let's go back to that scripture, please. I'm sorry. They cried out, it's a ghost. And what does Peter say at the bottom? Lord, if it's really you. In the moment of your fear of your crisis, right, do what the apostle Peter did and ask the Lord, hey, is this really you? God, this is scary. Like, this is, this is a financial burden that is freaking me out. My child, like, what's going on? God, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. Is this, is this you? Is this you? And, and, and Jesus will answer you. He answered Peter, right? At once, Jesus said, right, hey, guys, don't worry, it's me. It's not a ghost. I am all over this storm. I am right here in the middle of it with you. Now, what does Peter say in response to Jesus? He's still not sure. Right? Look at the words. If it's really you. Like, again, nobody in this room has spent more time with Jesus face-to-face than the, apostle, the disciple Peter. And Peter is still not sure. Give yourself some grace. It's okay for you to go, but I don't know. Lord, 
Lord, is it really you? And look what Peter says. If it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on water. Now, here, Peter enters into a deal-making process with Jesus. And I'm bringing this up because I'm asking you guys to be cautious on the deals that you make with Jesus. Because Peter says, hey, Lord, if it's really you, let me join you. And what we're going to read in a second, not right now, is Jesus is going to say, all right, come on. And that's when Peter goes, whoa, 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 real funny. I'm just kidding, right? In your life, it might look like this. I was kind of thinking how, to, how this might play out. You must be careful on the deals you make with God in this regard. God, if you're really in this storm of finances, if you're really in it, Jesus, if that's really you, invite me to join you. And you might hear God say, okay, I want you to start tithing. <laughs> you heard me say financial crisis, right? And so your result of financial crisis is to trust you with my money. I don't got no money. Great grammar here at New City Church, right? But when you, like, if that's really, you got, if you're really in this financial crisis, then tell me to join you. And so he invites you to join him financially, and you're going to go, whoa, whoa, I didn't expect you to say that. I thought you were going to let me win the lottery. I thought you were just going to solve the problem. I thought I was going to get a check in the mail from my dead great aunt. What about this one? God, if you're really in this relational storm, like right now, man, it's going bad. And God, if you're really there, man, if that's really you in this, if I really, I, I think you're in this, uh, call me to join you. And then the response might be, okay, I want you to go to apologize for that behavior. Whoa, 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 real funny. I can't, I can't risk my man card to go and apologize. All the dudes laugh because we get this. Women don't understand our man card, but we have one. It's invisible. I'm a, I've been carrying one for almost 41 years, right? And my man card, you know, like, I can't watch Downton Abbey. My man card won't allow it, right? I watch wrestling. I'm a proud card-carrying member of the man club, right? I preach in a chief shirt. I'm a man, right? I don't apologize. And Jesus says, I want you to apologize for your behavior. Wouldn't it be easy if we just kind of push it down emotionally and avoid it? Can we do that? Can we just act like it never happened, Lord? No. I want you to do this real funny, right? Be careful, right? God, of making these deals that, hey, Lord, if it's really you in this crisis, then let me join you. But that's, 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 that's the right response is when you see God doing something, it's to join him. We're learning this in our Experience in God class right now. We had 44 people come this past week between Wednesday morning and Wednesday night. 44 people in Shawnee who are taking their next step spiritually by going to the uh, Experience in God Bible study with us. How, how encouraging. And what we're learning in that is when we see God working, when we, we understand that it to be Jesus, the question is, God, how do I join you in what you're doing? And when we do that, he's going to invite us into, and then he's going to begin to speak to us. And so be careful, right? That when you do this, that he will respond. So don't be making deals, because that's what Peter did. Peter said, if it's really you, ask me to come on water. Let's look at verse 29. How does Jesus respond? His first two words. Can you read those with me? Yes. Yes, come on out here, right? Right? Yes, come on out here. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on water towards Jesus. Now, I'm going to have some fun. Because I, I have a different perspective on this scripture. And I want to share it with you now. All right? How many of you have been in church for the majority of your life? It's about a show of hands. All right, good. Okay, here's the deal. Before you go jumping out of your boat, let me provide some critical truth. This, this boat jumping, 
This, hey, walk on water happens in the context of relationship. Right? Peter and Jesus are in relationship, a leader and disciple. And in that relationship, Peter says, is this really you? If it is, have me join you. And in relationship, Peter, uh, Jesus says, yes, come on out here. And the reason I share this is because Christians are notori- notorious for jumping out of perfectly good boats. We do this all the time. We want bigger boats. We want faster boats. We think our boat is full of a bunch of morons. And, and, we, and so we are all about, I'm serious, I've seen this a lot of my Christian life, we, 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 when, it, when the going gets tough, we jump out of the boat. Christians are notorious about this. Disciples, however, are in relationship with Jesus. In America, you get to call yourself a Christian and never be in a relationship with Jesus. I'm, I'm going to poke at you, okay? In America, you get to check what faith you are, Christian, and yet never talk to Jesus. And a Christian, not a disciple, a disciple's in relationship, but a Christian jumps out of boats all the time. Uh, let me kind of give you some, uh, some of this. this is, I think for me this is powerful. Like on my notes, i got an exclamation point beside it because I really want to make sure that you guys hear this. It's important for you to know that Jesus has never, ever in your life invited you to be a Christian. He has never invited you to be a Christian. He's invited you to follow him. It's the F word. Follow me. He's never invited you to be like this capital C, super-duper Christian that checks all the boxes that a good Christian checks. He has always, since his ministry began, invited you into a personal relationship where you follow him and believe in him. That's what he is. All right? So here's what Christians do. They jump out of the boat for all kinds of reasons. And while they're in midair, right? While we're in midair, we've, we've leaped, we, we pray. We, we, we talk to, actually, it's not prayer. It's just like talking to God with your eyes closed. We tell God, as we jump out of the boat, we begin to tell God with our eyes closed all of the things that we hope he does next for us. God, will you bless this venture? Will you bless this new whatever? Will you help me in this whatever? And we're, just, we're, we're moving, and we're just jumping over, and in midair, we close our eyes, and because Christians are smart, and they went to Christianity 101, we know that if we say amen at the end of our sentence, that God is obligated to do what we asked. And we all laugh that no, that's nonsense, right? But that's what Christians do. People who are not in relationship with Jesus, people who just are, uh, uh, we go to church or we do all these things, check, 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 because that's what a good Christian does. It's what my tradition taught me. But we haven't sat and talked to Jesus in a long time. We really don't know if Jesus wants us in this boat or not in this boat. But a Christian, when we get discomforted, we just jump out of it. And in midair, we close our eyes and we pray real hard. We say amen. And then when our feet hit the water... And then when our knees hit the water, and when our waist hits the water, and when our chest hits the water, and when our shoulders hit the water, and when our head goes under the water, we go, God, where are you? God, where were you? God, what happened? And I really believe that if a Christian would be quiet just long enough, they would just hush. They would hear God say, I never told you to jump out of that boat. I never told you to do that. You didn't listen to me. You didn't even ask me. You did what you wanted to do. Now, thankfully, he won't let you drown because he loves you, but he'll let you get wet. He'll let you, he'll let you, right? Anybody ever done doggy paddling? What's it called? Is is, is this me doggy paddling? I don't know, right? But he'll, he'll let you tread water. And some of you honestly have spiritually been treading water for a long time because you're too stinking prideful to say, Lord, I was wrong, help me. And if you're here this morning and you're just a prideful dude, a prideful girl, and you know that, 
that you are like like I'm not I'm not I'm not calling you out. You're like, oh wow, that's me. I've been spiritually trading water because I've been too prideful to admit that I didn't listen to God. I did what I wanted to do, and therefore I'm in this position. Like today could be the day where you simply repent. Repent is a great word. Repent is the on ramp that God gives you to restore the relationship. Thank God for repentance. Thank God that we have a second chance, a third chance, a hundredth chance to get back into a relationship with the God of the universe through the act of repentance. Man, repentance is super worshipful. Man, you are holy. You are high lifted up. And what I have done is outside of what you've asked. And so, Lord, can I just repent and will you rescue me? Man, maybe today is the day of your salvation. The day that you stop treading this water. Now, Peter heard from the Lord. Jesus did say, come. Now put yourself in that boat with the other 11 guys. And Peter swings that leg over the rail. What are you doing? Like, who? we don't walk on water. We all know this is nonsense. Peter, you're, what, are you, what are you doing? In your, in your relationship with Jesus, there's going to be a time where he's going to, it's called a crisis of belief, where he's going to invite you to do something that you don't think you can do because it's never been done before. You've never seen it done before. You don't think you have it in you. But that's what Jesus asked Peter to do, and Peter, laughing, obeys. And his foot hits the water, and it stops. And he begins to walk on water to everybody's amazement, including his own. But you know what hasn't changed? The wind and the waves. The wind and the waves are still there. Like the moment that in your obedience, in your obedience, sometimes the wind and waves don't immediately stop. Because what Jesus said was, Peter, you come to me. He didn't say, hey, I'm going to make everything super smooth and easy for you, and then you come to me. In the midst of the storm, be obedient. In the midst of the crazy, do the next right thing, right? Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And Peter does that for a little bit. And all of a sudden, he notices the waves. He's getting wet, getting splashed, right? The wind is blowing him. It's hitting pretty hard. And what does he do? He takes his eyes off of Jesus, and he begins to notice the circumstances, he begins to notice how the wind is really blowing him, and he knows that his clothes are all wet. And all of a sudden, the, the, the context of the situation, all of a sudden he goes, OMG, I'm walking on water. And he freaks out. And he takes his eyes off the one who told him to do it and puts his focus on the circumstances that tell you you can't, and he goes under. And what happens when he goes under? Does Jesus do the whole, I told you so, Does Jesus point at him and condemn him? No. He grabs him and then kind of gets on him. Right? Do I have it in here? Yeah, verse 30. When he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. Right? I'm not letting my disciples sink. Jesus ain't going to let those who are walking with him and in relationship with him. He will not let you sink. But he will say, as he's got you by the arm, when you've taken your eyes off of him, disciples, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? I told you you could do this. I told you to come out here to me. Why did you ever doubt my words? Now, this happens to the best of us, such as Peter, right? And I, I, so this brought, made me think as I was writing this this week of Psalms 37, one of my favorite Psalms. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. Amen? The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, read that with me, they will they will never fall. For the Lord, why? Holds them by the hand. For those of us who are in relationship with Jesus, even when we stumble, 
Even when we fall, we won't collapse because why? Jesus holds us by the hand. What a great God we serve that invites us to do things that we don't think we can do. And in the midst of our weak faith, when we sometimes just freak out, in the midst of that, he still holds on to us and says, you're going to be fine. Get back up. We're going to try this again. Now, I'm going to invite the worship team uh, to come back up. and I'm, They're going to do a song this morning called The Simple Gospel. And um, this weekend, I had the privilege to speak at the Global Orphan Men's Retreat in Colorado Springs. And um, I was honored that during that conversation that we had two men accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. This morning, as I was sitting with the Lord, just kind of reading and processing some things in my own life, I came across Romans 10, 9 and 10, where it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But he goes on to say, but how do people, how can people believe it if they don't hear it? And how can they hear it if somebody doesn't preach it? And how can somebody preach it if they haven't been sent? And so this morning, I invite this. If you're a Christian and you believe in Jesus as your Savior, but you've never confessed Him the Lord of your life, you've you've really never had a relationship with Jesus, you've only kind of known that, yes, He died, you believe that He died and you believe He resurrected, but you've never entered into a relationship with Him, I'm inviting you to get out of that Christian boat and start a relationship with Jesus that's real and personal. This is called the gospel. That Jesus lived, that Jesus died, that He lived again. That through his death on the cross, he reconciled you back to the Father. You have been forgiven. It has been done. He doesn't have to go do it. It's been done. All you have to do is say, thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you that on the cross, you paid the penalty for all of the junk that I bring to the table. Thank you, Father. I am forgiven. But he didn't just die. He also lived and then lived again. It's not just not, about, hey, God, thank you for saving me. Now I'm going to do whatever I want. No, it's just I'm going to enter into a relationship with you that is real and personal. Lord, I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to follow you. Because that's the power of the gospel. And I'm inviting you this morning for the first time, if you've never made that decision, to step out of that boat of just, yeah, I kind of understand it, to I'm going to follow Jesus. I, I really believe this this morning. He's standing on the wind and waves of your life and he's inviting you to join him. And that freaks you out because you like control or you've been playing this Christian game for a long time and everybody thinks you have a relationship when you're just kind of, you know, scripture. And I'm inviting you this morning to be bold and courageous and step out of that boat and say yes to Jesus. They're going to do this song. I love this song because the gospel is real simple. He did it. Follow him. I'm going to invite you to stand. And this morning, if Jesus is inviting you, right, not Pastor Matt, but if Jesus is inviting you to follow him, to make that decision, I'm going to stand right here. I know it's a bold one to make in your heart, but you've got to celebrate it with me. I need you to encourage me this morning that God is moving in your life and that you're so confident that God wants you to step out of the boat, that you're willing to walk up here in front of all of these strangers or some of your friends and just let me know. And man, we're going to pray together and I'm going to hug your neck. I don't care how ugly you are. I'm going to hug you. I'm so... Man, let's be a church that continues continues to raise Jesus up and invite people to follow. Amen? Curtis, let's lead us in this. And if God is calling you out, man, you come and celebrate that with me this morning.